Are you ready for a life transformation? This video reveals the power of absolute surrender. It is both a moment and a journey to connect you with God on a deeper level and understand his will for you. So in this video, you'll discover how giving up control strengthens your bond with God as you enter his plan. You'll learn how absolute surrender will guide your faith and understanding. You'll get actionable steps to know and please God to the fullest, and you're going to find easy ways to maintain this surrender, helping your faith and relationship with God grow. So make sure to watch the whole video to learn the steps you can take today to please God and understand him better. That's coming at you now. God's resistance. Thank you for tuning in to God's Resistance. Glad to have you join us in this episode. We're going to be doing something just a little bit differently uh, we had been going through and taking chunks of um, these chapters. So like the first half, the second half, that kind of a thing. And we're going to be doing it a little different. We're going to be looking at the first two verses of Romans chapter 12. But before uh, we get into there, I want to say the first point that we're going to be looking at is giving up control strengthens your bond with God as you enter his plan. So giving up control is often somewhat of a scary thing. But giving up control to God is how we become strengthened, is how we become the kind of Christian that God is asking us to be. So we're going to look at the verse uh, one here. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So he says, I beseech you, therefore, he says that first. And we have got to then see why is therefore there. Uh, that's just kind of like a little hermeneutical joke, a tool that you can have. But what is therefore? Why? Because God is the master strategist. We've just gone through Romans 9 through 11, and that told us a lot of different things. But God is the master strategist. In other words, he had a plan for the Jews and the Jews had blew that plan. They ruined that thing. They were supposed to be the people that brought the gospel into the entire uh, world. And instead they thought that they were God's special pet and didn't do what God was asking them to and ended up missing the entire point. So if people do that, does that ruin their chances of walking with God? Does that ruin everything now because they blew it? If you watch the previous episode, you'll find out that's not the answer. <clears throat> but God is a master strategist. So in spite of their failings, the plan for the Jews to repent and come back to him is what was laid out in Romans 11 before that. So let me ask you this question when it relates to your life. Do you have the wisdom to fix everything? Think about your own life. What, what have you done? How have you ruined your life? How have you screwed things up in a, in a big way? And, and with all of the damage that you've caused, can you deal with that? Can you fix that whole thing? And you may say, well, I don't know if I can fix that. Or most of the time we've tried to do it over and over and over again and realize that we really don't have that power. We really don't have that strength. So what is the answer? Well, we think about our own life. We think about our own power and realize I can't. I, I don't have the power to do this. The, the answer, though, is that God does. Why does God? Well, as we were looking previously in these different places inside of uh, Romans, we see that God is that master strategist. Kind of a strange word to say, but I think it kind of encompasses a little bit the idea of what's going on. God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-merciful. So and when I think about God's mercy, he made a way for the gospel to get to all the nations in spite of the failure of the Jewish nation. So he's, they were his original choice, 
But even though they failed, God still made a plan. God circumvented them in their free will and said, well, I'm still getting this gospel out to the nations. And by the way, I still have a plan for the Jews, though they failed. And that kind of harkens back to Romans 11.33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. So this is kind of the idea that we hear with Paul. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. By the mercies of God, I beg you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. This is because of Paul's high view of God that he is now begging, therefore, for us to do this. He said it was a reasonable service for us to give everything to God. And I would ask the question, why? Well, in light of this grand plan to redeem all of mankind, even though many reject or rebel, that is why. <clears throat> That's my reasonable service. Okay, if if God can still make beauty out of all the rubbish we've made in our lives, and God can so take an entire nation or ethnicity of people that have rejected him and brought it back to him, it is very reasonable to surrender our whole being to such a wise and an all-powerful and a merciful God. And when you think about it, it's quite unreasonable to think that we can govern everything ourselves. Again, look at your past. Look at where you came from. Look at all the mess that you made. So it is my reasonable service. It's your reasonable service as an individual to hand everything over to God, to present yourselves as a living sacrifice. Well, how do we do this? First of all, he's saying, brethren. This helps us to realize these instructions are for Christians. You've been saved. You've been born again. You've repented of your sins. You're walking with God. So this instruction is for you. The command is that you present yourselves a living sacrifice. Okay, so who is this command for? He says, you. You present yourself a living sacrifice. Whose responsibility is this command? You. You do the presenting. Adam Clark said something that was really helpful here. Uh, that kind of gives us the idea of what is going on. And the idea is a metaphor taken from bringing sacrifices to the altar of God. Uh, so he says, the person offering picked out the choicest of his flock, brought it to the altar and presented it there as an arrangement, or excuse me, as an atonement for his sin. They are exhorted to give themselves up in the spirit of sacrifice to be as holy the Lord's property as the whole burnt offering was, no part uh, being devoted to any other use. So this phrase is hearkening back to Old Testament principles, and the Old Testament principle is, uh, that the sacrifices were brought to the altar. They were laid there for one purpose, to be fully devoted to God, and they are killed. And this is where the difference is. We, as Christians, are told, present your bodies a living sacrifice. So the difference here is that we're not killed. We're to be alive. So how do we do this? How are we to be alive? Well, he says, this is what the sacrifice presenting is supposed to look like. He said that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So he talks about being holy. There's two aspects here of holiness. One is the ceremonial aspect. Basically, I presented my body uh, to God. I'm for no other use, but for God's use. I'm bought with a price, the precious blood of Christ. I'm not my own anymore. So there's that side of things. Then the other side of things in holiness is that moral issue of holiness. And the moral part is purity. 
He will purify your heart by faith. So he doesn't just say you're holy and set you apart, and yet you're not really holy. He actually does a work inside of your heart whereby we are holy. He purifies our hearts by faith. So those are the twin things. He says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That brings us to the other thought here. What does it mean to be acceptable to God? How do we know if we are acceptable to God? I would give you three things. First of all, spend much time in prayer. When we pray, we kind of put our hearts in a position where God is able to speak to us. He can talk to us about things. We are opening our hearts before God in secret, telling him all of our trials, troubles, and difficulties that we are facing. And then I would say, don't just, don't just make it be prayer, but make it be prayer and reading your Bible. Get very familiar with the Bible. Why? <clears throat> because Praying is us talking to God. The Bible and reading the Bible is God talking to us. Also, God has given us a conscience. We have that inward monitor that says, um, I am doing right or I'm not doing right. I'm leaving something undone that I should or I'm doing something that I shouldn't. And these three things together will help us to know if we're being acceptable to God to present that that our body, that living sacrifice. Are we being acceptable to God? Uh, if this video has been a blessing to you, then consider uh, liking, subscribing, following, putting the notification bell on so that you can get all of the uh, videos that we upload and then continue to go on. We appreciate your watching this and your support. Well, now back to it. The next point here is how absolute surrender will grow your faith and understanding. And so now we'll look over here at the second verse. He says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So how absolute surrender is going to grow my faith and understanding, grow your faith and understanding. How does a living sacrifice live? How does a living sacrifice live? That is a question. Well, we are told here that the living sacrifice is not to be conformed or molded by the world anymore. So you may be saying to yourself, well, that's all I know. That's where I came from. How can that change? How can things be any different? All I know is the world and I'm coming into this brand new thing and I just feel like I'm, I'm fraught with so much confusion. I don't know where to go. I feel like I don't know the next step. Am I failing? Don't, no need to worry right now because we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. He gives us the direction. So the transformation comes by this, having our mind made new. The idea here is kind of like a renovation. Uh, if you think about like renovating a house, um, you go inside of an old house, you take all the wall off, it's plaster and lathe, you know, you rip it all off, you rip everything off so that the only thing that's left is the bare bones, the skeleton of the wall or skeleton of the house. There's nothing wrong with the bones per se, but there's something wrong with everything inside of it. And so all of that needs to be undone ripped out and everything be put in new. We rebuild everything. And so when we're told here that we need to renew our mind, it is kind of the, the same idea to gut the inside of our mind, gut the inside of our heart and rebuild everything new in a scratch or new from scratch rather. And what does that mean? We do it the way we think. You do it the way you see. You do it the way you talk. It's the way you walk. So what you do and what you don't do, all of these things are going to be made new, renovated, transformed by the renewing of our minds. That is what we are called to. And he says that we do this, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, that we may prove it. 
So we're told to give an acceptable sacrifice, but now we're going to prove it. What does proving mean here? It's like approving, testing, recognizing it as real and genuine. You may be asking the question, well, what am I recognizing in all this? The thing is, is until we have our mind um, renovated, we really don't recognize things from God's perspective. We're completely ignorant of it. But when our mind is renewed uh, in God's ways, then it is transformed. Then we recognize what is true, real, and right of God. And then he says, in doing all that, then we are to see what is that prove, excuse me, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? We're going to prove that. So then we ask the question, well, what is that good uh, will of God? Well, it has a moral quality to it, kind of like a quality control. We're now examining, is this what God loves? Is this what God hates? And we're taking quality control over our thoughts, over our lives, over everything. And then we also want to know, he said, what is that acceptable will of God? And then we'd ask the question, well, by what standard? Is it what we think? And I think we understand that, no, it's, it's not what we think. We're saying, what is acceptable to God? I want to have a clear conscience all the way down to the depths of my being. So we're to prove what is that good and acceptable will of God. And it says, and the perfect will of God. Now, when we think of God, we realize his will is complete. He didn't somehow forget something. It's complete. It's full. It's just exactly what it needs to be. And it has zero flaws whatsoever. So now I would like to move on to the next thought that I had told you in the beginning of this video. What are some actionable steps uh, to know and to please God to the fullest? Well, when we go back here, we're, we're thinking about what he's talking about, proving what is that good and acceptable will of God. How does that living sacrifice live? We talked about that transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what's the practical way to do this? Read your Bible daily. You should always be reading your Bible daily. You should be praying daily. You should be getting together with Christians, having Christian fellowship for accountability and encouragement. You should be going to church. You should be hearing the preaching of God's word. This is God's way of doing it. A good, and you should be reading good Christian books that stir up the heart. And then we think to yourself, and from the beginning, I said you would have some easy ways to maintain your surrender, helping your faith and relationship with God continually grow. So maintenance, how do I do this? I know this is going to seem really, really profound, but just keep doing those actionable steps that I told you before repeatedly and consistently over time. Make them ironclad habits. When something is important to you, you find a way to do it. Don't do these things only when it's convenient for you. And then I've got some extra time. So now I'll read my Bible and pray. Schedule it on your calendar. Build your days around these things as a high priority. This is your soul, after all. This is what God is asking for you to do. He wants you to walk with him. So dear listener, I want you to walk with God. I want you to prove that good and acceptable will of God and to be that sacrifice. Will you do it? Your next step is to call 570-362-7782. If you're local, I'd love to get a coffee with you. If you're not, I would gladly talk with you over the phone. Every Thursday at 5.30 p.m., we are outside for street meetings at the Wilkes-Barre Public Square. And immediately following that at 6.30, we have a Bible study at Abide Coffee Shop. Also, on Sundays at 4 p.m., we have street meeting out in the public square. You are invited, and we're looking to see you there.